0: Liz. This is Sheila. This is
1: Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go.
0: You're listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm here with my sister Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas.
2: Hey, Jewel. How are you today? Hi, Leanne. I'm okay. I'm a, I'm sort of in a state of shock. You know, I have one of those calendars where it still said September. And then I didn't realize that it becomes October this week and I have a doctor's appointment and I had, thought I had one more week oh. to, like, to like pull, it pull myself all together and, you know, like, uh, you know, be in my best uh, physical shape before I went in for my yeah. physical. But no, I don't. It's this Friday because it's October this week, Leanne.
0: Okay. I know it is, Julie. I know it is. October one. This is it. We're in the final countdown for You're the Best. Comes out at the end of the month. We have a lot of special stuff planned for October. We're going to tell you a little bit about that coming up. It is our sister Sheila's birthday today, so we have to uh, wish her a happy birthday. If you're new to Satellite Sisters and trying to keep track, there are five sisters. Two of us usually show up on the Tuesday show. We have more sisters on the weekend show. Our sister Sheila insists she is the middle sister, even though Liz is also the middle sister. (laughs) Sister, but it is Sheila's birthday today, so, so
2: happy uh, birthday, Sheila! Yeah,
0: happy birthday to Sheila! Uh, let's see, we're going to talk. We have a lot to talk about. Usually on Tuesdays, we kind of, well, we sort of <laughs> going deep on shallow topics, Liam.
2: and that yeah. has always been our theme, yeah. our sort of modus operandi for uh, Tuesday. But we we have some we have some big topics we're going to talk about. We have some news about you're the best, yeah. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that. But then you went to see a movie, right? I went to see the premiere
0: of He Named Me Malala. It's a new documentary about Malala Yousafzai, the Nobel Prize winner and 17-year-old. And I'm going to tell you about that. There's more uh, news about um, global education for girls we're going to discuss. Um, the lean in people, Sheryl Sandberg and her people just issued a new report along with, um, McKinsey, right. About women yes. in the workplace. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we get a lot of questions about that. So we thought we'd follow up. We have, um, a new way to meditate, Julie. You're going to, you're going to.
2: Yes. Wait till it you hear this, land It's going to change your life. Okay. You think you're just doing dishes, but no sister, you've got, we, we've got some, It's it's going to increase your happiness, your well-being. I'm going to explain it all. It's some new research. Yeah.
0: All right. Then we have some Facebook follow-up. But um, all right. First, Julie, I know Liz got to steal the show this weekend. She announced she and Sheila were going to St. Paul. They will be there uh, November 14th, Saturday, November 14th. But Julie, you and I are going to be together in Dallas, Texas, right?
2: Yes. I'm really excited about this. We're going to be at the Barnes & Noble. Um, in Dallas on it's on the corner of Preston and Royal very easy to find easy access and it's a great Barnes and Noble we're going to be there uh, December 3rd at noon Leon how about that for a good time so you don't have to stay out late you can just swing by and see Leon and me and you'll also get to meet Uh, my daughter-in-law, Vera, who wrote an essay for the new book, she will be there as well. So it's a three-for-one kind of package. I think it's going to be good.
0: Yes, it's Thursday at noon, and there were a lot of reasons we picked that time, but that's the time we're going with. Vera felt it worked for her friends. We wanted to include them in the You're the Best celebration. Uh, The bookstore said that was a great time for them, and we'd like to thank Barnes & Noble. They don't do a lot of events there, so we are super happy to be there at the preston royal shopping uh, area and we hope that people who are working can come by on their lunch hour thursday at noon december 3rd so there you go um i will be putting stuff up on the website on the facebook page if you want more details um but that is it for texas area people thursday december 3rd at noon we would love you to come and we'd love you to bring your satellite sister Yes, that will
2: be really fun. Speaking of Satellite Sisters, you know, all this month until our book launch on October 27th, both at our Satellite Sisters Facebook group page and also on Instagram, we've been asking you to put up pictures of your Satellite Sisters and, you know, just write a little bit about who they are, or why you know why you get together, and we started off with a bang, Leanne. You know we've gotten so many cute pictures on Instagram and Facebook, but this past week it's sort of I I, I feel like we might need uh, we need a sort of a pep talk right now. We need more pictures, people. We want to see your we want to see your satellite sisters. Okay, some of you have uh, said that you don't have a picture of your satellite sisters. Well, I don't want that to stop you. Okay, <laughs> I do not. I want you to go ahead. Put a post up. Tell us about your satellite sisters, okay? Because I'm making up the rules of this context. Okay? Liz is gonna get mad. I know Liz is out of the country, okay? She's okay. on a business trip, okay? We just want you to keep putting the pictures up, okay? So someone asked if you already submitted one, do you have to submit it every week? No, but if you want to put up more pictures, we want to see more pictures. So they are random drawings. We're giving, we're giving out copies of our book. Uh, and so, but we, you know, it's just this month. So come on, people, let's see some more Satellite Sisters on our Facebook group and on Instagram. Okay. All right, Julie, that's, that's a good plea. I'm going to
0: get on it. I'm I have an event Friday night I'm going to tell you about, and I'll be getting some pictures of me and my Satellite Sisters at that event and putting them up. All right, so, yeah, book news, we have December 3rd, we're going to be in Dallas, the Satellite Sisters YTV contest. Keep them coming, people, keep them coming. Um, I am also working on, in Pasadena, the Satellite Sisters meetup. That would be before the Romans event. I am meeting today uh, at a restaurant. I am trying to organize sort of a cocktail reception. Whoa! (laughs) I, I know. Well, I want to... People are coming. People are coming from out of town. People are driving in. It's LA. They have to drive a long way. So we're looking for something Saturday, November 7th, 5 to 7, like a one price for some apps, a beverage. Uh, I'm looking to arrange that, a private room, meeting with someone today. But stay tuned. That is still happening. I had several people recently ask me about the meetup. Still happening. I'm working on it. And then finally, Julie, in Brooklyn... You got some. You got some tips to clip for I the do, Brooklyn I signing. I do.
2: You know because I was in Brooklyn last week, as many people know, playing the role of urban Nana, uh, uh, babysitting for my uh, absolutely adorable granddaughter Josephine. But I did take some time to meet uh, with the folks at Powerhouse Arena where we are having our book party launch, and that that's going to be a big deal because we have quite a few satellite sisters are showing up for that as well as the next gen is showing up and we've got we've got even got some brothers um right. a of r- random spouses possible son there. possible
0: the, son yeah yes
2: yes <laughs> so i mean this this is the mother load so so there was that we had some work just on the logistics like where are all these people going to sit right so we were working on that but i was also trying to think like if i was going to the event in brooklyn um at the power house arena oh how would i do that okay i mean so let's say you you know i mean first of all it's not hard to get to land you can okay you can drive there there's parking garages that are very close to the powerhouse arena so okay so that you don't have to worry about that you can take the subway that's what urban nana does i got off at high street and just walked down the hill could not be easier but then you know our event is at 7 p.m on Friday, October thirtieth. So I thought, well, you might want to come with your girlfriends or your or your spouse or your partner or whatever, you know? And so maybe you want to get something to eat. Well, if you're in the mood for a pumpkin spice latte, right across the street, there's a big Starbucks. So you can just come have a little latte and then come hear the reading. But let's say you want to do it bigger. Leon, there is you can go uh to Certainly, I mean at the high end like the, one of the most beautiful restaurants in the whole world, the River Cafe. Do you know where that is? Now it's very I, I don't know where it is. I've never I mean, been but there. But it has it is it has the most spectacular views of the Manhattan skyline from Brooklyn. So, but let's say you don't want to spend all that money. Well, you know, you can go to the Brooklyn Bridge Park for free and you can stand there with your satellite sisters and have a spectacular picture taken of yourself. Of course, it will be too late to enter into the contest, but you will have that picture. Okay. But let's say you and your satellite sisters, you've, you know, eaten a sandwich or whatever. You just want maybe something a little sweet, like a cookie or a cupcake, adorable place right across the street from... Powerhouse arena called One Girl Cookies, very cutely and very sort of this little chic place where you can have, they had delicious cookies and cupcakes and wine. Uh, I don't usually put those two together, but apparently a lot of people do. So that looked like a good place. But, you know, I, every time I go to New York, I love to have pizza because I think New York pizza tastes so good. There's also, Right down the street. It couldn't be more than half a block. Front Street Pizzeria. Okay. Go and get yourself a slice before the big event. How about that? And then I saw a place that I was like, this had Sister Sheila's name all over. It's called Forager's Market. You know how she like goes out and forages for food? Yeah. yeah. Well, this is like one of these farm to table, you know, totally delicious looking you know, um, uh, market where they have a big hot table and you can, like, get yourself a plate of something and then sit there or sit in their outside um, cafe place and eat it. So that looked really good, too. And then there was just a a lovely place called the Atrium, again, right down the street from the Powerhouse Arena, um, which is more sort of, cafe style, French American, that looked like a solid place to go if you wanted to eat dinner. So all I'm saying is within steps of the powerhouse arena, there's all different kinds of price points, but all different kinds of food, beverages. And so you can really make a night of it. And I think, I think if it's, you, you can have a lot of fun there, you know, just walking around. It's a really, have you ever been to this area of Brooklyn land? No. Not okay. not in a really long time. Not since
0: it's become, you know, Brooklyn with the capital B. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No.
2: no, it's you're you're gonna love it. It's very charming. Lots of cute little stores and shops and restaurants. So there's lots to do down there. So you know you know you could really make this a whole evening go get yourself something to eat and then come here the satellite sisters
0: all right so, we will have all of the websites julie just mentioned a bunch of places we have all the links and we're going to put that up at satellitesisters.com for those of you coming to the brooklyn event Well, that foragers does look good i'm looking at their website yes now. It looks excellent good nice? choice julie good choice I, I, all right. So we have a lot happening. I, I just encourage people to keep up with us at the Facebook page and also at SatelliteSisters.com. That's the best place to find information. Um, we have a new events calendar. So far, I can't post the December events, but we're going to figure that out this week. It's only letting me post two months at a time, <laughs> but I promise you, we are going to be in Dallas in December, and then everything else will be, is already up on the website. All right. Fantastic. Well, yesterday, Julie, one of the reasons we didn't have the Tuesday show on Tuesday, we're having it on Wednesday, is that I was invited to the West Coast premiere of He Named Me Malala, which is the new documentary about Malala Yousafzai. You know her. She's the Pakistani schoolgirl who stood up against the Taliban and went to school, even though they said she girls couldn't go to school. She was shot by the Taliban, flown to London where she's recovered and is now going to school there, but has continued her campaign uh, to promote education for girls throughout the world. And um, this was a super exciting event because as if that documentary doesn't sound like heartwarming enough, like it Mm -hmm. makes you cry just thinking about it, I was there with with six thousand Los Angeles schoolgirls. They wow. you, they put together this event with a, a group that's called um, Girls Build LA and um and they invited 6000 middle and high school girls from all over Los Angeles they bussed them all in they were all in their school uniforms or whatever they wore uh, to school that day and they wa- i watched the documentary with 6000 girls so
2: well, how it, big of a theater was this it was
0: huge it was the same theater where they had um, the emmys the other night it's the oh, Mi- microsoft okay. theater downtown and uh and so um it was just really fantastic to hear and see their reaction. They were so excited to be there. They seemed to already have some knowledge of Malala and the work she was doing. And then the director is Davis Guggenheim, who, you know, won the Academy Award for An Inconvenient Truth. He's a very accomplished documentary director. So he came out and spoke to the girls ahead of time. And he said, you know, normally I... I, I I like to think of my audience before I make a documentary. I like to picture who am I making this for? Like a very specific person. And he said, you know, when I made this documentary about Malala, I was thinking of you, high school girls in America, because, you know, I think there's so much you can learn from Malala's story and she's so inspiring and it will be eye opening for you to see what she's gone through for her education and hopefully inspire you. But he said it in a way that was really genuine, so it wasn't luxury or pre. Richie. And uh and then the girls cheered. They cheered throughout the entire <laughs> documentary. They did the wave beforehand, they got up in their seats, they were dancing, and then there were just some really dramatic parts of the story and they totally got it. They were completely into it. Um he wove together we went you, you got her whole you got her whole life story. Uh but the way he wove it together, of course, is the art of documentarians, and so you really got um the sense of a couple of things. Things. The first, uh, the first really important relationship that comes through in the film is the relationship between Malala and her father. And I did not know a lot about her father or her family, um, no. but uh, there is some amazing footage of him. He was a very vocal, outspoken. Um, critic of the Taliban and he's, uh, he's a teacher. He started a school himself. He's an advocate for education long before he had children and he has his own kind of dramatic personal life story. And that's told in the film, you get the story of her mother, uh, in the film. And there's a great contrast between Malala and her mother and the, you know, separated by the Gulf of education. Cause her mother, uh, you know, only recently learned to read, Like most of the women in Pakistan, she was illiterate. But this bond between Malala and her father is very deep, it's very real, and it's very strong. And I know there have been people that criticize Malala, that she's just her father's mouthpiece, but that is completely dispelled in this documentary. You see footage of Malala from 11, from 12, from 13, talking before she was shot, before the world knew her name, talking about speaking out against the Taliban and talking about education, that she's no one's mouthpiece, for sure. She has her own mind and she uses it. So that's extraordinary. The other story they're able to tell in a really interesting way is just the story of the Taliban over the course of Malala's lifetime locking down just locking down uh everything in pakistan like they started by kind of the currying favor with the women speaking to them directly and then taking away uh all of their rights and you really get a sense of that from the footage and the audio they use and then the other thing you get the sense of is just you know that uh, this is an extraordinary problem across the world that girls are not not educated. And I know the first lady's been out talking about this this week. You're going to talk about it. And 62 million girls across the globe do not, 62 million girls across the globe do not have access to education. And so that is clear that you have You know, you have pictures of her meeting with Syrian refugees and meeting with schoolgirls in Kenya, that this is a very real problem uh, and that she's one of the few voices really speaking out for it. At least she was. Now, I think a lot of people are on the bandwagon, but that's an incredible story. And then the other story they tell, which I had not seen a lot of, was her recovery from getting shot. You know I mean, she seemed
2: it was near death right she I mean, what... seemed
0: to bounce back kind of quickly in our minds, but they that is she had to work i mean it was really touch and go. they did not think she was going to come back. She still has a lot of issues uh but they show the footage and talk to her doctors and nurses and that's very dramatic, and then you just see her as this normal seventeen year old girl fighting with their brothers and playing games with
2: their family and <laughs> but do you think it was the, the it's the relationship that she had with her father that just enabled her to be so brave and yes. so strong in that moment, yes.
0: Yeah, and yeah. you see that. Yeah, you yeah. see that. And the father's yeah. very open and honest too. So yeah, you see that relationship. It's a wonderful movie uh for like dads and daughters to go to. It's a, it's a great movie for anyone. You will find it fascinating. But the father-daughter story is is very deep and very real and really inspiring and, you know, not perfect. There's doubts on both sides about is this what we should be doing? Is this the right thing? Did I do the right thing by telling her to go to school? Did I do this? So, but it's just, it's a pretty amazing story and it's really well told. And because they couldn't really shoot in her hometown at all, um, there's also a wonderful use of animation to – to illustrate some of the stories, her background that she's telling. And uh, they, it's just a beautifully animated
2: portions of the film. So uh, well, that's, it, no, that sounds, I mean, that sounds so importantly. And, and again, you think 2015, you know, all oh, girls have access. right? To, no, not so much, you know, and, and also the Taliban is making a resurgence, you know, that they're, recapturing areas in uh, you know whole regions in in Afghanistan you know and again you can just imagine that girls that did have access to education are you know they're going to be denied that access to education So yeah, very important to see. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely worth
0: going to. I know um, Liz was telling me that in a year from now it will be on National Geographic they'll be releasing it worldwide, but um, you know, there will be a theatrical release. It's just a, it's a really wonderful film, really well done. And you really do learn a lot even if you think you know her story and uh, you don't quite. And just, you know, again, that repressive government, like when you see it in action, when you see it like literally clamping down and clamping down tighter, 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 it's dramatic.
2: It's very dramatic. So, I know. well, you know, it's, it fits so nicely into a, a story that I wanted to talk about because I was reading about it. Uh, so I would say it's the first lady's desk story, but Michelle Obama this week was um, uh, participating in the Let Girls Learn campaign, where this is a worldwide organization that is really trying to promote girls' education in countries like in Japan and Cambodia and, and, you know, all over the world. So, you know, and it's, she gave a very impassioned speech, and that's what caught my eye, where, you know, she said she was, again, speaking to mainly an Amer- American audience of, of girls, but she was saying to them in a very direct way, like, do not be shy from being the smartest kid. You know, I think girls, even if they are smart... You know sometimes they don't want to show that, and you know Michelle Obama was saying, "Do not let you know never mind what boys think that you should be able to compete with boys, you should feel comfortable beating boys you know and in, in in math and you know and in, what in history or whatever the topic is and she you know she said she would not be where she was today if she- came, you know if she worried about what boys thought of her you know that you know, she obviously is a very accomplished attorney. You know, and uh, now she's first lady. But you know, she said she, you know, if she really worried about that, you know, she uh, uh, she said she would not be where she is today. And she said she acknowledged that, you know, oh, it's very easy when you're an adult not to worry about those things, but like when you are, you know, um, a preteen or a teenager, those things are much more important. They, uh, they have a different priority and uh, it's very hard for girls to have the confidence to, to be the smartest in the room. So um, I think that's a good campaign. And again, creating access to education or keeping girls in school. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, back, back when I lived in Bangkok, Thailand, You know, my, uh, uh, the American Women's Club there worked on uh, a project where we were providing, like, you know, money uh, for uniforms and, you know, and pencils and pens that were going to be used in like the uh, rural Thailand, because if the girls didn't have the uniforms or the school supplies, then they couldn't stay in schools. And, and you know, in a lot of cases, their families did not have the money to pay for those uniforms. So simply by giving them, you know, uniforms and pens and pencils and paper, these girls could stay in school for another year. And that can make all the difference in terms of the kinds of life choices that they That they can make or have opportunities. So uh, yeah, there
0: are a million barriers for girls. You
2: know, if something would you know
0: as simple as you know supplies when they're on their menstrual cycle. If they don't have that, they end up having to stay home for that whole week of school, and they just end up dropping out because they end up missing too much school. So I had a million barriers to entry. Well, that's why it was impressive to see all these young girls there. They were, they were, uh, you know, advocating that they go out, identify a problem in their community. That way, That's why it was called Girls Build LA and then do something about it. Of course, I'm thinking, oh, these poor teenage girls, they have so much going on. But then you see what Malala went through. You're like, I'm on it. So, yeah, you know, it's interesting, Julie, we're running this whole special series of interviews, uh, called satellite sisters. You're the best interview starts this week. We'll post with Nora Ephron tomorrow. And, um, uh, and one of the people that we spoke to in the past was Dr. Wangari Mathai, who's the Nobel laureate, uh, from Africa mm-hmm. and she planted trees. And I just re-listened to that interview right. and, um, she, she was like, the first woman in all of Central Africa to get a PhD. She absolutely says, education is absolutely what separated my life. You know, uh, men, most of the girls in her country, in her village, did not go to school, but her father had her go to school, and that absolutely made the difference. It was fascinating to listen to that interview again in light of, you know, seeing this movie and hearing the First Lady on several occasions this week and, and seeing that movement uh, for educating girls globally. It's just, it, it, it just, there's no way to underscore how important it is for these girls to get an education. So uh, I liked listening to that interview again.
2: All right. All right. Perfect.
0: Is it what are we doing now?
2: <laughs> is it the shit lean okay, in? Well, okay. That, I know, I know. No, you're not done. Stay with me, Leah. Okay, me. I'm sorry. No, I, we were going to turn and talk about cuz the other big news coming out today okay. is uh Sheryl Sandberg's organi- Lean In organization and the McKinsey uh a, a global consulting company ha- has has done a, has just a, released a major study, largest study of it its kind. It's women in the workplace. They interviewed and surveyed 118 different companies and they talked to and surveyed 30,000 employees. Uh, so this to really get, you know, you know, a comprehensive picture of where women are in the workplace. Okay. So here's, here's the headline, and according to Sheryl Sandberg. There's only really one thing you need to write down a hundred years. Okay. That's what Sheryl Sandberg says. It's going to take a hundred more years to get gender equality in the C-suite. That would be uh, at the chief executive level, a hundred more years. She, okay. she writes that we are going to have time. This is what Sheryl Sandberg wrote. She said, we're going to have time to go up in space, like send someone to space that they can soar past Mars. They can travel all the way to Pluto and then return to earth. And then do that for 10 more times before... <laughs> Before half of the C-suite offices will be occupied by women, so we have a lot of time in order to do it. Isn't that is that is despite some sort of modest improvement that they saw on the horizon in 2012, women remain unbelievably okay. That's my word, not Sheryl Sand- Sandberg's word. Underrepresented, represented in the executive suites, and that. In order to make that up a hundred more years. So mm. so they're tossing us the
0: $10 bill like it matters, but <laughs> it really doesn't. It's not funny. It's sad. I, <laughs> it's a whole sea change. So many pieces have to fall in place for that number to shrink. But to actually see it in print, I got the same. I got an email from the lean-in group today, you know, signed up for their emails. Yes. So I got the whole study. And yeah, that is quite a number, 100 years, which, you know, first of all, it's just exhausting to think about that, <laughs> isn't it? It's exhausting. Well, you know, some of um, the the key findings of this McKinsey study, this lean-in McKinsey study, include this, that there is a leadership ambition gap, that at Mm -hmm. every stage women seem less eager than men to become a top executive, and they tend to cite stress and pressure as a top issue. And it's not all... Rooted over balancing work and family, but that's a big portion of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, another reason for this big gap: it is an uneven playing field. Okay, <laughs> don't get yourself. Yes,
2: yeah, so the women women <laughs> perceive this as an uneven playing field. Exactly. They, yeah. they they think it it is going to be at least twice as hard to make it uh, or to advance in the organization. That's that's their sort of operating belief as they work in this, uh, company. So that's another that's,
0: key finding was that, um, employee programs are abundant, but participation is low. And that, that's what I mean. That's a corporate change that there are a lot of companies that offer flexibility and career development programs, but men and women don't use them because they think like the extended family leave, for instance, is going to hurt their position at work. 90% of women and men that believe interesting? that. That's a big that- number.
2: So even if that isn't the case, if, you know, but if that's the perception of 90% p- p- of the people that work in that organization, that's where perception is reality. Right. So that you are, in fact, going to be heard if you, you know, <laughs> you take right. family leave, you know, because because nobody does that, you know, and that and that that's that's, you know, and you think, well, the companies are. Trying to provide more family-friendly programs and things, but it must be very frustrating if nobody's using them, right? right. That, and then if no one uses
0: them, then they stop offering
2: them. So we're calling on
0: you, millennials, to just t- take that extended family leave, please. Somebody take it. You know, somebody, somebody take it. Now that doesn't mean it's paid leave, so that's there's a difference there too. But um, you know, they they will extend you family leave. It doesn't mean you're paid for it. Uh, Um, There's still inequality at home, Julie, even in a household where both partners are working. 41% of women report doing more child care and 30% report doing more chores. So, and then this one caught my eye about men and women having very different networks. And uh, so men have predominantly male networks at work, while women have mostly female or mixed networks. So you can see the problem is given that men are more likely to hold senior leadership positions, women may end up with less access to senior level sponsorship. That's pretty basic, isn't yeah. it? Liz, you know we love talking about frame bridge, don't we? We do. <laughs> because, because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leon, aren't there? Right, anything. You can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting.
1: See why FrameBridge has been
0: trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit FrameBridge.com or see a local FrameBridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's FrameBridge.com. Thanks, FrameBridge. Liz and and here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we <laughs> And You get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to oseamalibu.com and use code SATSisters for 10% off. Thanks, Osea.
2: You know, and it's, that's, that was so like disappointing to me because, you know, we've been talking about mentors. You know, I went to business school, I believe a hundred years ago uh, (laughs) as well. (laughs) And that's all we were talking about. We mentorships and everybody. That's, I mean, this is like we have been talking about this stuff for so long. And that's, that's what's really distressful about this. But Cheryl Sandberg said, you know, well, why, should, you know, why should we care? Why, what difference does it make if they're women, you know, if we have gender equality uh, at the executive le- level? Well, according to Cheryl, she says it does make a big difference because. Because we know that diversity on work teams, that uh, I, the more diverse a team is, the better it will perform. So yeah. if, okay. if women get stuck, America gets stuck. That we are not producing the best teams available because we're limiting the access of women, in, in this case, women, to uh, to those teams. So, uh and they, you know, she's also said that, of course, you know, the whole bossy label, you know, that girls, you know, get conditioned very early on, like not to be too bossy, you know, but, um, and that they, they have to really navigate some kind of tightrope of being, you know, where you want to be liked in your organization and you want to be, or do you want to be respected? Now you can talk to you can talk to a lot of guys and they're like I don't care if people like me. Right. I just want people to respect me.
0: And they literally don't care. They, they truly don't, don't care if people like yes. them.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. But but I think for a lot of women that is that is a much uh much harder, you know, sort of thing to uh to to operate that way. So that they want that sense of being liked, you know. So um so I don't know, Leon, it was 100 years. So uh the recommendation is we absolutely need to measure the progress. You have to establish, you know, benchmarks and goals. And if you're not really tracking diversity, if you're just putting in all these family-friendly programs that no one's using, well, that's not enough. And obviously it's not doing the trick. So, and that they also said that you need to be very transparent and there needs to be a lot more training in terms of, you know, creating opportunities or trying to figure out what are, you know, what are this, you know, what are like the informal cues that go on that sort of create the additional stress for women that men are not perceiving? So uh, and that just as you were saying that they need women need more access to senior managers yeah. because they don't they're not getting that. But if yeah, don't... I
0: think that sense that your mentor, if you're a woman, has to be a woman is false. You know, you can find a male mentor. Liz has always said it was always men that believed in her and that's how she got there. As long as you find someone that believes in you. But I guess it can be harder. So it's a little bit harder, a little bit harder to maybe approach a man. I don't know.
2: Well, I it will be interesting to see what happens to this because I think uh, previously, you know, maybe people thought, oh well, you know, that's that that happens in this particular industry or this type of company, but it doesn't, you know, we don't, you know, it's not it's not as comprehensive. This report was so comprehensive, you know, and it should really be a wake-up call for all organizations, you know, uh in all fields, uh because uh, because they're just not doing the job, even if they thought they were doing the job. They, you know, the, you know, the results aren't there, and so they have to be a lot more results oriented in terms of you know trying to get, to make this happen.
0: Right. So, well, that is one of the last key findings: is that gender diversity is not widely believed to be a pri- priority. So even yeah. though CEOs might say, "Oh yeah, we're highly committed." Uh, less than half employees believe that gender diversity is a top priority and only a third view it as a t- top priority for their direct manager. So it is something you kind of have to think about all the time and mm-hmm. not just once or twice a year, <laughs> you know, when you sponsor the luncheon for the women in your office. So right. it takes it takes a full commitment from, you know, the whole, the whole company, you know, everyone from the bottom to the top. Well, Julie, there was an article in the New York Times that uh, – talking about networks, um, that caught my eye this weekend in the business section, because a couple of weeks ago we were talking about, um, baby boomers, those over 50 talking to millennial recruiters and how difficult that can be that you people who are job hunting in their 50s don't feel like they're connecting on these, you know, Skype interviews or phone calls or, you know, interactive Q and A's with their millennial recruiters. So that was one issue. But so this is sort of a related issue. The New York Times reporting that um, here's the problem. If you're in your 50s, (laughs) Here's a tip. <laughs> there are a lot of
2: problems when you're in your yeah. 50s land. But, you're in okay,
0: your 50s but, and job hunting, yeah. basically your network is too old. They said oh, so, so if old. you, your network has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller and tends, you know, not to be people on the move moving up. you're So it's natural that you connect with fewer people as you get older because you realize I'm tired of people. <laughs> I'm not talking to that group. I'm so tired of going out for drinks after work. So here's the tip that the New York Times had. They said, if you want to have a bigger network in your 50s, start in your 40s, Julie. (laughs) So for those of you in your 50s, it's too late. But if you're in your 40s, remember, you might need people in 10 years to help you find a job. (laughs) So they said, you know, take the opportunity to get to know the younger people in your office, keep your technical skills up to date, do not get far behind on your technical skills, and engage in conversations about technical skills in the workplace. But that's it. So if you're in your 50s, I'm sorry, I have bad news, I can't help you. But if you're in your 40s, keep going to those drinks after work. All
2: right, keep doing it, people keep doing it. Well, I, that's something, I mean, it's good to yeah. know, that you know, because I think you, you do get tired of doing all you of that tired. stuff and yeah. and you wonder, is this really worth it? Or, right. you know, I mean, is this the best use of my time? I could be home on my couch, you know, my uh, kid's soccer team yes, or something, yes, you know, you have yes. other obligations when you're in your forties sometimes, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, um, and so it's all over in your fifties. It's all, well, it's just, you know, you, you should. Shoulda woulda coulda. Well, okay. I mean, at least at least they're being honest, right? right. At least uh, That's what I mean. Rather than pretending that if you just keep like spinning around and uh, you know talking to the same two people that you're, you know, that that's effective networking, right? The
0: two other disgruntled employees in
2: their 50s. <laughs> that are hanging out at Starbucks together.
0: Oh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Are we meditating now? Yes. I'm, I, I'm sorry. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash sisters and use code SISTERS to choose your free-for-year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. Mm-hmm. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz, my hair from Prose is getting great reviews.
1: Leon, I am not surprised. You have been on that Prose hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, Prose is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything
0: they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. Do I take the hair vitamins every day? It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Lian's. Okay. And I'm I'm using it. Mm-hmm. Pros isn't just better for you, it's also better for the planet, Liz. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at com slash sisters. And prose is spelled P-R-O-S-E, Pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, Prose.
2: So we have to, we have to like change gears All because- right. Uh, Because that's been some pretty heavy uh, and and in some ways very depressing uh, news that we're bringing to this podcast. (laughs) So now we need to like cleanse our minds, literally. And I I saw this article. It was, this is a study that was done by Florida State University. It was reported in the Journal of Mindfulness. And it was indeed also reported in the Wall Street Journal. It was about the meditative power of dishwashing. Yes, you heard it, leigh dishwashing, that... um, that they really, you know, depending on how you approach dishwashing, that it can have some very positive uh, psychological effects, which just uh, when I heard, saw the headlines, I started, started to laugh because we grew up in a, in a large family, family of eight. And all, all the girls, I mean, we had like the Taliban at our house, wasn't <laughs> <man? The> it? Girls... <laughs> we didn't call it that. We didn't know it no. was the Taliban. But that would, they would be our brothers and our father, you know, (laughs) right? right? And uh, the girls, we always had to do the dishes. Okay. And there was no such thing in a family of eight of like a small meal. Even if we didn't get a lot of food on the plates at any time, it still created Mm -hmm. a lot of dishes. Yes. we have done just tons of dishes, right? Yeah, and continue uh, to do tons of dishes, right? Yes, yeah, I, I think it, but I do think it's what has bonded us in some ways. We always said this about satellite sisters that we really forged our relationship and our friendship uh, because we were stuck in the kitchen so much <laughs> and we had to entertain each yeah. other. You know, that was that was true. If we had gotten to sit on
0: the couch like our brothers and watch the football game or whatever after dinner, who knows
2: what we'd be doing now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. So that's the backdrop for when I received or heard about this study. So the study was they had a groups of students um, and they encouraged one group to just hang around on the couch, but the other group was in, encouraged um to when they were doing uh, dishes, to really explore the dishwashing process, meaning that they were to focus on the sensory part of the dishwashing, that they were to smell the dawn dishwashing liquid, they were to feel the hot, soapy water, they were to notice the round <laughs> shapes of the dishes, okay? They were supposed to do this when they were washing the dishes to really get, you know, to that's that was their focus, not like oh my gosh, we got like eighteen pots and pans, right? Done. Oh, mashed but, potatoes, but,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> just
0: oh, hated washing those big things of mashed potatoes.
2: They were toughly. They were tough, but, um, but. They did the study and they found that students really who focused on the sort of sensory part of dish dish dishwashing reported a reduction in nervousness and that, in fact, they felt they felt an increase in their mental inspiration that they that they it created a sort of a mood booster, you know, and they, you know, they they felt they left, you know, after washing dishes, feeling very satisfied. Oh, what do you know? I mean, just to focus on that. The warm, soapy water, the, you know, the shape of the bowls and glasses in your hands. What do you think? Uh, you no? know,
0: every time my sons wash the dishes, Brooks actually has a gag reaction. <laughs> Literally still gagging after 20 years. What do you I'm, mean gagging? He goes, uh, he is like a gag. He is one of those gag reflex things. Like
2: well, when he sees dirty dishes? Yeah, he just, he just can.
0: can't. He can't deal. Uh, You know, I force him to deal. He is forced to deal. But I don't think he's reached the point where it's going to be meditative yet. I have to say, if it's not an overwhelming amount, I don't mind doing the dishes. I do like water. I've never thought of it as meditative, but... You know, I'll have to rethink that. I'll have to okay, rethink it. Just
2: try it. See how see how you feel about it. I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna. No, I'm not because I don't like to do the dishes. <laughs> I already did too much. I make my husband do the dishes, but occasionally I'll try it. Just see if it if you find out. You know, any kind of uh, difference in your mood or your nervousness or your level of inspiration. Okay. The
0: inspiration, I'm not so sure about. But
2: don't you come up with ideas when you're uh, when you're washing
0: dishes? So. Maybe a little bit more uh-huh. folding laundry or walking okay. the dog. Those are better the better things for me. I don't know, okay. but I'll have to maybe I'll just have to focus in on it. Maybe I'm a font of ideas. I just have to focus in on it. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, Julie, we had some good posts on the Facebook page today. So we want to congratulate uh, Jonelle's daughter. She finished the Appalachian Trail.
2: How about that? Can you believe that? that? That is an, uh, That is really, that's quite rigorous, Liam. Okay. Uh, uh, you know? Her daughter, I think her daughter's
0: name is Marcella. I, I, yes, that's, that's her daughter's name. I'm looking at it. Uh, there's a wonderful picture of her on our Facebook group that she's at the top of Mount Katahdin. Which uh, I think I hiked once in summer camp, but I certainly didn't do it after 2,000 miles of hiking before it. <laughs> so, uh, but they're great photos. But that's really a good accomplishment. So I, I think we're going to try to get Marcella on the show. Uh, Jonelle will get in touch with you guys uh, when she I don't know takes a rest, has a shower. I happen to, to
2: watch that with you. Yeah. And I'm going to miss the pictures because she's, I mean, she's been great about posting that and we encourage other people who have, you know, children or, you know, you have someone in your family that's, that's, that's going for it like, like this. I mean, we you know we'd like to know about that. Yeah. yeah.
0: I would like, I'd like to know about that. So we'll be in touch, but congratulations. That's a wonderful accomplishment. We've all had fun, I think, following along. And then this weekend on the show, Julie, you're doing some Brooklyn observations and you asked a question <laughs> how much do tattoos cost? Cause you've noticed a lot of people in Brooklyn have tattoos. So right. we, we got a response from our resident body modifier on the satellite sisters, Facebook page. You've seen Cassidy post before. She has a lot of tattoos. She wrote that she has about $35,000 worth of work on herself. And then she also does tattoos and piercings. So, uh, she said, you know, depending upon the artist's skill set and where they're working on your body, those hourly charges could be up to $250 an hour. So hmm. that, so tattoos can be expensive. I, yeah. I know you were wondering like, how do people afford all these tattoos? But here's what Cassidy wrote. She said, people can get really addicted to self-decoration and she has some clients that come in every few months and others that come in for their first and return every few weeks before so, and she describes her body as this. she, body mods have enabled people to express themselves to document special times, people's places in their lives. And I call our body, our storyboard. And I am a prime example of that. As I can show you the different times of my life through my art, body modification is not for everyone, but living lives as our, for ourselves is
2: that's a good. Well, motto, I mean, here, Cassidy. Here. I, I totally agree with that. You know, I mean, and I know some other people posted pictures of some of their tattoos. Yeah, I what mean, I this, have... yeah, Peggy's
0: I've... sea turtle in the from Hawaii in the seventies. Yeah, I'm tempted. Pretty much, I'm just a scaredy cat. That's, I'm scared. Because, yeah. You know, that's the same reason I don't get Botox or plastic surgery or LASIK. I just think the practitioner will sneeze in the middle of the procedure, like whatever it is. <laughs> So that's, so there you go. Uh. Uh, that's, yeah, I'm. Some, quite a few people uh, in our group have have tattoos, but that
2: is they can be pretty expensive. But well, they good tell to a know. story. Now I, that thank you for answering the question. I I just had no idea. You know, so uh, and I wasn't making a judgment about tattoos. No, was no, just you like, were like, asking. I, just, and... <laughs> I was more curious because you because people have tattoos. You know, and what's the story with them? So thanks, thanks, thanks for go. letting us know.
0: Thanks, Cassidy. Well, way to go. Way to clear that up. Camel Trails is Cassidy's business. If you're interested, she's in. Canada. Uh, so <laughs> hello, Canada. Um, all right. What else is happening? What are you doing this week, Joel? Anything? Uh,
2: uh, no. Lynn, <laughs> you ask me that every week, and I, I sure have a good answer. A good answer. Well, I know what I'm going to be do- doing. I am going to be uh, monitoring our Instagram account and Facebook <laughs> account, looking at all the wonderful pictures of Satellite Sisters that are up there. You know, that's, that's what I'm going to be doing, Lynn.
0: How about you? Well, I've got to finish up Madam Secretary. I realized I thought I had seen every episode, and I was (laughs) delighted to find out there's a couple more episodes I haven't seen. So before we start the pre, you know, season two debuts on Sunday night. So before we start our recap next week, it's on Netflix. I'm going to catch up in the last couple. uh, And I'm excited about that. And then, and then we'll be good to go next week. So that's got that going on. And then on Friday night, I am back at ladies night out in support of the cancer support community here in Pasadena. It's a wonderful organization that provides all kinds of services for uh, cancer patients and their families Everything from yoga to therapy to grief counseling, uh, you know, to helping you navigate the social work system. All the services they provide are absolutely free to anyone with a cancer diagnosis or their family. And so they do this great fundraiser. And if you haven't heard me talk about it before, it's the wackiest fundraiser
2: because it is all women. Okay. <laughs> and, and it's didn't just didn't you have a belly dancer show up one time and you didn't know you were having a belly dancer or a male stripper? This is where you had the male stripper. Well, show
0: no, up, it right? was a belly dancer, but she was actually a stripper. She was supposed to be like teach <laughs> us all to belly dance, and then she took all her clothes off. So that <laughs> that yeah. happened. Ooh. So that happened. Yeah. So, like tassels and all. I mean, <laughs> so every everybody tells a story, Julie, and her body. Okay told a story. So yeah, it's a crazy event, but it's 250 women and it's a ton of fun. There's a silent auction, there's a live auction, there's a drawing for all kinds of things. And so I am going coming back as the auctioneer this year. So I will be doing the live auction again. So I got to prepare for that. That is a lot of stress doing a live auction. It's not like yeah, I'm a you professional. Got to keep it going, Leon. And I know you got to really think on your feet and talk fast, okay? Yeah, and you have to actually like see everything and talk, and even just where is the bid, keeping a lot of things straight. So uh, I'm going to be preparing for that all week because that is Friday night. So looking forward to it. It's always a good event. But um, if you're looking for a wacky fundraising idea, just try. (laughs) Try having one with all women, because because <laughs> you know what their husbands don't want to come anyway. So they're tired <laughs> at the end of the week. They're happy. It's just a lot of fun. And then there's a wacky band, an '80s dance band, and then we all dance at the end. It's really a nutty night. But that's what I'll be doing uh, this this week, ladies' night out here in Pasadena. All right, Jewel. Wow, we filled up a f- almost
2: <laughs> fifty. It's always amazing on Tuesday. Oh. We, which just like the loaves and the fishes land. We just... It's always a miracle on Tuesday, isn't it?
0: Here it is, our last show of September. I want to remind you that those Satellite Sisters Encore interviews are going to be posted starting tomorrow. Nora Ephron is our uh, our first special interview, and it is a special interview, I promise you. It's just wonderful to hear her voice and to hear her point of view and to just hear from her again. So I, I hope that you share that interview on your Facebook page and on Twitter and with all your Satellite Sisters, because I think it's pretty special. I was happy to be in on it. Happy to hear it again. All right, Joel, have a great day. You too, Lynn. and don't forget, call your satellite sister.